Hello, everybody, and welcome to our brand new approximately six-week series on politics and religion. Uh, for those of you whom I have not introduced myself to, my name is Rand, and handling this series with me is Chris Lee, uh, who about five years ago is the guy who helped me see the value of political awareness. He uh, pointed me to a lot of resources uh, to help me learn for myself and, and kind of, you know, just explore the whole world, because uh, it's not my forte. Even now, it's not my forte. But... Uh, uh, he he was big. He was instrumental in helping me to know the importance of stuff, uh, and then how to find out more about it, and to be careful not to just pick a side because someone uh, articulated an opinion very well, but uh, you know to look at it from from uh, a, a, a good vantage point where you you collect a lot of information. Uh, that was, by the way, uh, five years ago, four years ago, almost five. It was uh, around the time of the presidential election in 2016. Um, and uh, that was the first time that I ever ended up voting for anything. Uh, for, and it wasn't just for the president. I ended up voting with an informed opinion on every California proposition on the ballot, all that kind of stuff. I still haven't really figured out how to vote for, like, county officials and things like that. Like, I, I'm not there yet. I'm, like, level three. So I'm still learning. But, uh, you know, that's something I want to get better at. Chris is someone that I've come to know as very interested and well-informed in this whole arena. Uh, he's probably, out of all the people I know, the most charitable person uh, to, to let someone uh, peacefully disagree. You know, he can, he can meet someone who has a, uh, a, a, uh, an opinion that's diametrically opposed to his own even, uh, and he uh, has a, a really good way of handling them without judging them or belittling them or otherwise making them feel bad. And so that's why I thought that he was the right guy to bring in on this. Um, I wanted him to help spearhead this whole operation as we talk about some political issues because we wanted to, we wanted to develop that discipline in our people on how to, uh, to, how to handle these issues because they're so full of disagreement. So, Chris, thank you for spending several hours with me for each of the past six weeks to help put this together. Maybe you can give us a few words on what we're doing here. Yeah, well, first, uh, I'm very looking uh, forward to um, sharing this time with you guys, with discussing, uh, finding out uh, some different perspectives on a lot of different issues. Um, I guess I'll start off just by kind of giving like an overarching type of uh, idea of why uh, this matters to me. Uh, politics and the way we approach politics, um, it really is a question of uh, philosophy and sociology, um, how certain policies, laws, how they affect the way we see each other, the way we see people, the way we see society. And um, as Christians, you know, our faith uh, largely shapes the way that we view um, you know, our own personal philosophies, people, society. And so we want to be able as Christians to um, be able to discuss uh, matters of society uh, in a way with uh, grace where we can disagree, you know, as Rand said, but still come to uh, peaceful resolutions. Uh, four years ago, uh, when, I mean, you guys all uh, know what happened in 2016 uh, in regards to the election then, but you know, I was able to lightly joke that, oh, the presidential election, uh, it really doesn't matter. It's not going to affect our day-to-day -day lives. And it, it was, it's funny because I was able to joke about it because for the most part, it is true. Um, the president, uh, who the president specifically is, doesn't necessarily have a giant impact on our day-to-day -day lives. But now we live in a time where, uh, we now we live in a time where um, political division is at a very high point. And so even though uh, it may not matter, it is very important to um, be able to discuss these things with our Christian and non-Christian friends and be able to uh, do it with grace and peace. And so, yeah, just a disclaimer uh, before we get going. Um, I'm going to do my very best to be as like unbiased and as um, centered as possible. But just so you guys know, in general, especially when it comes to discussing things, it is fairly impossible to be exactly centered. And so, um, yeah, let's, uh, I, I guess more than anything, I just want to give a disclaimer that I will do my best to be impartial, but at times it may be difficult, but that's what I'm hoping um, I can do pretty well here for you guys. Good. Thank you. Um, also, John Wood, if you can just kind of put yourself on the screen for a sec so that everybody knows uh, who I'm talking about when I mention John Wood. He's our guy in the chair, right? He's, um, he's kind of the, uh, the technical architect behind us. 
directing our breakout room dis distributions. He'll be uh, handling our technical difficulties and things. And, um, and also with that, uh, he's the guy to go to when you want to, uh, you know, get like a, like our Google forms and stuff. I'm going to, Oh, surprise, John, I'm going to ask you to do some Google form stuff for us, you know, later on, um, in, in tonight's Bible study. Um, Chase Wu has asked whether or not it's okay to ask questions here, and this is a fine place to ask questions on the chat room. Uh, I don't think the chat room shows up on the recording, though, so we'll have to just check. I'll have to check back here and, uh, and just read them off um, when the times are right. But, yes, if anyone has questions, feel free to put them in the chat room, and we'll, we'll get to them as we, uh, as we find time. And if, if it's not related to specifically what we're talking about at the moment, then we'll uh, move it to a, a different point. We'll just save the question and, and table it for, for the time being. All right, well, part of the point of our series then is what, uh, what Chris and I have been talking about. We want to help Christians think through the current political issues. And uh, our intent is not to get you to agree with the two of us, because even the two of us, to be honest, we don't even agree with, on everything that, that we talk about. You know, uh, Our intent is to instead get you to know where your value system's coming from, why, why you believe what you believe, uh, why you hold to what you, you believe to, to be the right political position. Um, not all Christians are going to agree. And it doesn't mean that, uh, that uh, one's going to believe he has the, the biblical viewpoint and the other one goes, I don't care about the Bible. It's never that cut and dry. Oftentimes, two Christians will disagree on an issue, and both of those disagreeing Christians will think that, that you know, each one will think, I have the biblical ground. Uh, that happens often. So what we're trying to do here is uh, not to make everyone agree to one side of, of every issue, but rather to think carefully and to discuss peaceably and uh, to reason things out, because these aren't simple issues. And so anyone who thinks that it's simple probably hasn't thought it all the way through. So... Allow me then, before we get into a discussion of anything political, I want to start us off with a very, very simple question. This is our thought experiment to launch us into this whole thing, okay? Here's the question. Are people good? Are people good? Uh, and when I'm asking that, I, I mean corporately, are people good? Because I know what, uh, what we want to say as Christians, inherently we want to just say, well, everyone's sinful. Everyone's born a, uh, a, you know, a simple human being. We're fallen in our nature, fine. Okay, we've got the theological uh, statement about our individual personhood. Okay, and that's, that's totally biblical, that's fine. But when people come together to form a government, will they form a good one? For instance, if all of us uh, went, on a, we went on a vacation and we just got on a yacht, we all rented a yacht and we went, but then that yacht was taken off course by some tornado, and then we ended up on this deserted island. Uh, and now we're stuck on this island, and it's all of us that are here in this, in this Bible study meeting. All of us are on this island, and we have to now stay there for the rest of our lives, build society, and, and establish a government. Are we going to form a good one? Are people good? So assume that it's a group of people, not just individuals, but you know, people thinking collectively as a group, do they make good decisions, right? That's the question. So... John Wood is going to uh, send us off into breakout rooms, and uh, each person should be uh, should uh, hopefully contribute an answer. Um, maybe uh, the the answer that you give hopefully is uh, sixty seconds at the longest. If you don't have an answer, you're allowed to pass. You're allowed to say like oh, I don't have an answer. That's okay. But please, uh, if, if you do have something to say, just try to say it. Um, start with. Um, with the person who alphabetically is first in line, you know, and then uh, that person can just popcorn the next person, right? So whoever's alphabetically first in your breakout room, you go first. You have 60 seconds to answer the question, are people good? And then make sure everyone uh, gets a chance to answer. And then John Wood will bring you all back in here when you're done. Or I don't know if you can voluntarily leave the breakout room and come back in, but I'm sure he'll take care of it. Okay. Thanks, John. Okay, so hopefully everyone is back. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and get started uh, by answering that question we posed. Uh, I want to make it very clear, though, that there is no absolute right answer. And uh, the more and more we talk about these things, uh, especially in regards to how policy affects people, uh, you get to kind of realize that 
there really is no right answer. There are just a lot of different answers that have their own individual merits. And so in regards to this question, you know, obviously, as Rand said, as Christians, we have a very clear view of what good is. You know, we know that God is good. And we know that sin stains um, everybody. And so we as individuals um, are not good. But however, unfortunately, uh, we know that not everyone in our country and not everyone in the world has that view of the definition of the word good. And so uh, the question that I like to answer when we talk about this is more specifically, like, what do we mean uh, by are people capable of good? And so um, as, as in regards to uh, political uh, systems of government, you know, in America, we live in a uh, democratic republic. And we are all aware that, of course, there are a lot of services that show that the government is possible, is, you know, potentially capable of a lot of good. Uh, specifically, the first three things that come to mind would be like um, protecting uh, human rights, uh, providing um, free education uh, to the public school system, and uh, providing for us services that help uh, us in regards to our communication, whether that means like roads, highways, uh, the internet, um, what is it, uh, structures to... Um, or for example, the radio, uh, these are all things that um, are subsidized by the government that is clearly uh, able to do good for a lot of people. Uh, but at the same time, you look at the government and you also see that there's a lot of weaknesses and a lot of things that um, aren't being done very well. And I mean, you look around at various different systems and you see um, that people are also very capable um, of messing things up, very, very prone to failure. And uh, more than anything, the, the question that I kind of like to ask here is, is, well, is it good then, or is it right to then classify all governments as good or bad? And the thing is, is we have to be very cautious before we do that, because governments on their own are not good. Governments on their own are not bad. They are capable of good and they are capable of bad, but we have to make sure that we do not monopolize the word good or bad in regards to a system of government? Uh, I'm going to give uh, something, my best attempt at a pastoral answer on this, right? Um, let's see. Are people good? Uh, and when they corporately gather, when they would try to establish government, are they good? Well, um, I think that Jesus makes a very strong admission that people are capable of good, even if they're unbelievers. So if you just take a look at Matthew 7, 11, uh, he says, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who's in heaven give good things to those uh, who love them? Okay, so the point here is even evil people know how to give good gifts. They're capable of, of that, right? Uh, and so when it comes to establishing government, um, while, not, uh, while governments are not perfect, they certainly are capable of good, and God has that opinion. So if you uh, take a look at, at Romans 13, um, it says, uh, sorry, sorry, it says, um, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, uh, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So we're talking about government, right? Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists the government, resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Now that, I think you get the point there. It's, um, it's that people are, certainly are capable of good. Governments are certainly capable of good. They are ordained by God. Uh, so we shouldn't be fatalistic about government. We shouldn't think that all government is inherently bad. But we can admit that government is flawed, right? They'll never be perfectly good. Um, every government, no matter how good it is, will always still fall short of the good that it ought to be, which is... Uh, which is why we shouldn't put our hope in in, our, in the way that we govern things, right? Our hope is in King Jesus, 
the second coming. That's he's gonna he's gonna come back. He's gonna establish a kingdom, and he will rule. He's gonna be the just ruler, right? He's gonna be the ruler that's uh, gonna set up that thousand year kingdom, and and he's gonna show us how it's supposed to be done. Uh, it's the whole point of him returning and establishing that. That's what it says in Revelation twenty. That's the giant theme of the everlasting kingdom uh, talked about in the book of Daniel, right? He's gonna come back. He's gonna rule. That's the messianic prophecy, all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, are people good? Well, they're capable of good. Inherently, they're evil, but they can do good. So no, ma- uh, no matter what kind of government we establish, it is capable of good. It will not ultimately be good, right? It, it'll still fall short. So it's a little bit of a trick question that Chris and I threw at you. It's, a, you know, like uh, if you picked one side, <laughs> you know, we're kind of saying you're wrong. But um, but you get the idea. You know, we just want to uh, we want to sharpen this thought on that. So. Um, are people good? Chris, how does that, that question, are people good, how does that reveal and relate to our whole approach to politics? So um, clearly, uh, one of the more important things to think about when we are asked that question is, is well, then we would want to uh, be in favor of a political system or a government that does the most good possible. You know? And the way we define that obviously could be very different too. Uh, the quality of good the quantity of people that that good reaches. And so everyone does, everyone is going to end up having different definitions of what that good is. And I think the danger in regards to um, claiming a government is better than another or not is again, painting in broad strokes, you know, generalizations. This is kind of going to be the repeating theme of the things that I say today, but generalizations are going, are um, a big uh, thing that we have to be wary of. Um, I think that one of the big things that uh, we do want to also talk about since this series is called Politics and Religion is we don't want to ignore uh, the fact that uh, religion and specifically uh, Christianity, there are a lot of uh, more, um, lack of a better word to say it, like shady things in the past that have been done under the guise of Christianity through the governments. Uh, I'll just list off kind of uh, a few here. Um, Christianity was uh, used to uh, justify absolute monarchies. So absolute monarchies, you know, these were kings, well, basically royalty that said that, you know, God established us and whatever we want, that is what is best. Uh, Christianity has also uh, been used by, you know, the people uh, of the past to justify slavery. Uh, Christians uh, were a few of the bigger uh, proponents who fought against uh, interracial marriage. Uh, and going even further back, witch hunts were done in the name of the church. Uh, Pre-Reformation times, uh, the Bible itself uh, was not allowed to be translated into the vernacular. And I think that that is kind of where we see um, maybe maybe the root cause of a lot of these things is um, when only priests could read the Bible and interpret the Bible, Whatever they say goes, and a lot of them oftentimes weren't always out for the best interests of the people. They are out for the interest of themselves. And so we would hope and assume that, oh, now that the Bible is a lot more available as Christians, we should be able to um, have a better angle and a more unified approach to how we view politics. However, that we can see is not the case. There's a lot of division within even Christians. You know, a lot of various different passages can be uh, pulled and plucked and uh, used to justify various different types of government systems. You know, um, it's very easy to use uh, the scriptures to justify um, neoliberalism or a free market or even socialism. But the thing is, is, you know, these ideologies didn't exist at the time that the this Bible is written, but a lot of uh, people are able to say, you know what, this applies to my view of how things should be run. And so again, everyone who claims to be Christian um, at the core of what they want in regards to what governments do, they're going to have their own bias and they're going to have their own agenda in performing or you know desiring a specific system. And so it's important to realize that you know, Christians have a pretty messy view of um, how they should relate to government. And 
you know, before, uh, well, before pretty much the Enlightenment, uh, all governments were theocracies. You know, every government uh, were, was formed and based off the ideology that God established them. And um, America was one of the countries that was established specifically to uh, have some separation between church and state. But the concept of the separation of church and state is a relatively new idea in the span of history, you know. And so, uh, I mean, you guys also are aware that the Bible uh, establishes Israel as a theocracy. Um, however, uh, like I said, uh, the, the danger is, is if we generalize all Christianity into one political thought, we're going to have a lot of divisions because there are a lot of ways that Christians can interpret uh, their faith in action in different policies. And so I think it's very important for, especially us as Christians, to realize that there's a huge spectrum of different political ideologies just amongst other Christians. And so that is a big reason why we want to be able to have these discussions with grace and with understanding other people's perspectives. Um, something to keep in mind, like why, why is it that even Christians who uh, believe in the Bible, why do they come to such radical disagreements on, uh, on major issues and things? And it's going to come down really to uh, a principle that, that the, the, the scriptures warn us about, which is that people naturally tend to do uh, what's right in their own eyes. That's a normal thing, right? I mean, whatever you're going to vote for is what you think is the right thing to vote for, hopefully, unless someone's uh, paying you off or, or, or uh, coercing you in some way. But uh, when we do what's right in our own eyes, uh, the scriptures tell us that that will steer us toward disobedience. Uh, you know, the opinion state, the way that, that uh, politics is viewed today, anyone, any government that agrees with me is empowering me. But any government that disagrees with me is oppressing me. And there's this very extreme and polarized view that kind of moves around today. Um, and yet, that's not what oppression is. You know, oppression, Holocaust, that was, that was oppression. You know, uh, what we have today, that's not, that's not the same thing. Um, if, you, if you remember, uh, even back in the time of Israel, when they were, fleed, uh, when they were freed from slavery um, by Moses, uh, you know, they're walking out of Egypt and, uh, and they should be grateful. And yet they all start complaining uh, and they, uh, they demand that they have, the, you know, the food that they want and all this stuff. And they're like, I wish we were back in, sl in slavery because it was better there. And it just, there was like this, this uh, broken moral compass in them. They, you know, they, they thought that they deserved more. They thought that uh, they thought that it was not right the way that they were being led, all that kind of stuff. Right. Well, here's what happens when um, when everyone does what's right in in his or her own eyes, right? The the dangerous uh, part of this uh, is that when it comes to political opinions that you're supposed to vote for, everyone votes for what's right in their own eyes, and that sounds like the right way way to do it. And then God disagrees, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show you just some moments here. Deuteronomy twelve eight. Um, the, uh, God is telling these people, the people of Israel, you shall not do according to all that we are doing here today. Everyone doing what's, whatever's right in his own eyes. Like, don't do that. Don't do it. Everyone picking uh, their own moral code and then just going with it. Don't do that. In Judges 14, at the end of verse 3, it says, Samson said to his father, hey, go get that girl for me. She's right in my eyes. And there was all sorts of disagreement on, like, you're not supposed to marry her, and, you know, she's not good news and all that stuff. And he's like, but I think she's right. By my feeling, she's right, and so get her for me. In Judges 17.6, it says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And because everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes, uh, that's why God had to raise up these judges, right? The people were spiraling further and further into apostasy and immorality and idolatry. And so God had to bring up all these different judges to deliver them. In uh, Judges 21, 25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And it, that's a repeating theme. That's a, Word for word, it's exactly what it said in uh, chapter 17, because that's a, a, a major theme of the book of Judges. In Proverbs, uh, which is, these are 
wise idioms and sayings and things. In Proverbs 12, 15, it says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And that warns us that, like, everyone believes that they're right. So uh, if you believe you're right, that doesn't mean you are. Even a fool believes he's right. Uh, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Right? And that, that kind of clues us in that uh, no matter who you are, uh, the right way to you will not be God's way. It, it, there will be something that still falls short. Uh, there's a, a way that seems right, and either way it's going to lead to death. Proverbs 21.2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart, but Yahweh weighs the heart. Right, so we got all sorts of opinions on what's right, and we have all these different uh, ways that we want to set up public policies and things. And uh, there's a warning in Scripture that uh, you might be so convinced that your answer is the right answer. Everyone believes that he's right, and everyone is still falling. Even if we set up government exactly the way that you want it to go, it'll still be falling. It'll still fall short, and you'll still need a Savior. So that's a, that's a big thing that we need to come to grips with as Christians to know that uh, even if you set up everything the way that you think it's supposed to be biblically, it will still fall short, and we still need King Jesus to come in. All right, uh, does anyone have any questions so far? If you do, I want to give you just a moment to uh, to throw them into the chat window because that's the easiest way now for us to to see it. Um, I'm going to wait like a, a few seconds because we do have to deal with the fact that our political opinions are flawed even when they're well-intentioned, right? And so uh, we're going to do our best to do what's right in God's eyes, but inevitably there are going to be times when uh, there's disagreement between Christians. Right? It doesn't look like anyone has any questions, so I'm just going to I'm going to throttle forward. Is that okay? Okay, I'm hitting the gas on this. Uh, Chris, uh, how do you propose that we deal with situations where uh, when we're speaking to another person, if we come into stark disagreement, heated disagreement, you know, when, uh, when it's an important issue and we disagree with them, how should we handle this? And it doesn't even matter if that person's a Christian or not a Christian. How should we deal with disagreement when it comes to political stuff? Right. Okay. So uh, one of the things that we have to realize uh, is, is that as Christians, especially in regards to how we talk about our faith, uh, we have to speak with grace. Uh, we are able to take a lot of things into consideration, considering that our worldview and perspective are marked by the blood of, uh, the blood of Christ. And so we are aware uh, that this life isn't all uh, there is. You know, that our time on this earth is uh, fleeting. And as soon as uh, our time here is done, you know, we'll uh, be with God. And so I think that the important thing to realize is, is if you're talking to another Christian about these things, you can kind of have some peace of mind knowing that the government system is not the end all be all. Uh, however, uh, one of the, this, one of the main ways uh, we can still have uh, good discussions with people that disagree with us is seeking to understand uh, the other perspectives that are out there. Um, another uh, good way to do that is just by listening. You know, uh, I, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, the verses in James uh, where we should be slow to speak uh, but quick to listen and slow to anger. And um, as believers, uh, we should be open to understanding that, you know, we don't know um, everything there is to know, and other people can give us um, different perspectives on things. Um, one of the uh, big things for me is, is I'm a big fan of documentaries, and it's crazy how I'll watch like an hour-long documentary, and my viewpoint of an issue is like completely changed, or like there's a lot more that you know, has been added to the big picture. And if that's the case, I mean, we should be able to do so with our brothers and sisters as well. We should be able to uh, hear what they think and why they think it and allow that to be uh, added to um, our uh, viewpoints. It shouldn't be something that makes us oppose each other, uh, but we should seek to have a wider perspective. Um, Again, the point uh, especially amongst Christians, I would make a big emphasis is it's not to debate. It's not to argue. It's not to uh, convince the other side that they're wrong, uh, but it's to, uh, with grace, listen and seek to understand. Now, obviously, extending outside of Christian, uh, Christian perspectives, uh, 
it's a little bit different, but uh, it's equal in the fact that we still have to extend a very gracious stance. Um, specifically in regards to those that do not share the same faith as us, uh, we as Christians are able to fall back and say, you know what, there's truth in the Bible that supersedes human truth. But people that are of different backgrounds in terms of their faith, they may not have uh, that same conclusion. Uh, this is like a thought experiment that I always, uh, that always kind of changed my mind when I was first starting to get into politics. Uh, but in 2008, uh, there was the big Prop 8, um, uh, the proposition to see whether California was going to legalize gay marriage, which at the time was not legal in California. And a lot of the perspective from a lot of my Christian friends is, oh, it's, I mean, look at like Leviticus. It's not, it's like very clear that, uh, you know, homosexual uh, relationships are not good. Um, but a lot of times, if that's the only source of where you find your political policy beliefs, well, imagine if the, if the tides were turned and you were speaking to someone and the person was like, oh, this is what it says in the Quran or this is what it says in the Bhagavad Gita, or this is what it says in Dianetics. Like, if their viewpoints are derived from a uh, system of faith that you do not agree with, their arguments are not going to res re uh, resonate with us at all. In the same way, if my discussion with an unbeliever is only falling back to the Bible, it's, not, it's, it's foolishness to them. And so that is why there is an even more grace that needs to be uh, extended to those that are not believers. You know, of course, we are aware that when Christ comes back, he's going to establish the perfect theocracy. But for now, in this time, before Christ comes, we have to do what we can to have civic arguments for our civic policies that we want. So if we are, if, uh, this is just an example, but if we are arguing um, that uh, we are against abortion, our fallback argument, especially when we're talking to those that are not believers, shouldn't be, look at the Bible. It's so clear that, you know, uh, the baby in the womb is jumping with joy and therefore it's a life. And if our, uh, if our conversation is only going in that direction, it's the same way as if someone was talking to us in regards to a system of beliefs that we had no uh, relative like agreement with. And so we want to be able to fight. If we are anti-abortion, we want to be able to fight with like civic logical reasons that will resonate with someone that does not fall back on the Bible, you know? And in that specific uh, example, you know, we also do want to understand that, you know, some people, they may not, have the same uh, viewpoint as us in regards to like, you know, is the fetus a life? And that is why their um, decisions are a little easier towards the other side. And so again, they are going to argue that they also are seeing things in the more compassionate way. You know, what about the, um, the life of the woman? And uh, is it, you know, really a life or is it just a part of her body? And like, there are all these conversations that, you know, are going to be had. And a lot of them, to be completely honest, they are going to be uncomfortable because it's going to clearly reveal the places where you guys disagree. But again, we should be able to disagree and still have a peaceful uh, resolution uh, in all the discussions that we have. And so again, in regards to how we communicate to those that disagree with us, we want to be extending grace we want to be quick to listen. We want to add to our worldview. We want to add to our perspectives. And we want to be able to, again, looking far back, knowing that we are believers here, the most important thing is we want for that person to be saved. And so if we antagonize them with, and, and we use the Bible as almost a weapon to antagonize, they are not going to be as likely to even, even slightly hear and listen and care about uh, you know, faith in Christ. And so again, we want to be gracious, we want to uh, be patient, and we want to also uh, allow for conversations that point out where we disagree, but end respectfully. And so, yeah. Uh, I, 
I, uh, I never get into political discussions um, because uh, people don't ask me those questions. They ask me theological questions. But I oftentimes then come into situations where I'm talking to someone with a different theological position than me. And, uh, and I have to exercise a little bit of the same, same discipline. Like, you know, this conversation is not going to cure them of their delusion. If, you know, like, I can't think like that, right? Uh, that, that would be arrogance to think that if I just tell them the right argument, they'll now agree with me. That, that's not how it goes. You've gotta, you have to reason with them and then pray for them and let the Holy Spirit convict their hearts, and that's, that's hopefully how it goes, you know? But, um, oh, by the way, John was going to be prepping you into another breakout room session, and so uh, let him know if you're going to opt out or just, or just click out when, uh, if you need to. But um, uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to disagreement, theologically or, or politically, you know, we don't want to – we don't want to jump the gun and just start thinking that arguing more loudly, arguing more vehemently is somehow going to solve it. You know, that's, that's never been how anyone's convinced in, in like a good way. Right. So like when I meet someone and, and they say like, a, they're all millennial, I don't go, Oh, oh really? You know, that's, that's not really my, my approach. If someone says uh, they're transubstantiationists or consubstantiation. I, I, I don't get all, light up and be like, what, you know, triggered. Like that doesn't, that doesn't happen for me, not anymore. Anyway, I think when I was uh, when I was much younger in ministry, and I felt like I needed to prove something, maybe that was that was a bigger temptation. But uh, the the more you deal with it, the more you find that people, you know, they, they need time to figure this stuff out. So you talk to them, reason with them. But if you talk to them and and you're a jerk about it, they don't think about it later. They just think you're a jerk. You know, so when you can talk to them in a reasonable manner and disagree with them in a reasonable manner, then then that'd be good. When it comes to politics, uh, if people were to ask me my opinion on, uh, let's say, something like uh, gay marriage or abortion, uh, I had only been able to articulate my theological position. And that was never useful for someone who was not in the same theological disposition. So that's kind of the question that we want to throw at you for the breakout rooms, okay? Are you able to articulate your political positions theologically, and are you able to articulate your, that same theological, uh, sorry, that same political position practically? Because every, everything that God instructs is for our good, right? Everything that God wants for us will prove itself in wisdom, which means that there are practical values. It is the best way. It's not just, that's what the Bible says. That's not the end-all reason. There is a wisdom to it. There's a practical value to why he says that. So even like when he told the people of Israel to avoid unclean foods, um, a lot of that had to do uh, in a great way with foods that couldn't be preserved in a, in a great manner while, uh, while they're wandering in the wilderness in the desert. You know, there was no refrigeration back then, and they didn't have a whole lot of salt to, to, uh, uh, to preserve their meats and things. And so um, if you just kind of watch a lot of the cleanliness laws, it, it amounted to health benefits. Even back in that day when people didn't bathe as much, circumcision, uh, it had an effect on lowering the, uh, the rate of cervical cancer in women uh, by something like 40% is a statistic I read. There's no way I can prove that to you, so you don't have to use that statistic if you don't want. But, uh, but the question then is, can you articulate your position theologically? Because if you, if you cannot, then you're not deriving that conviction from the Bible. And then can you articulate your position practically? Because if you cannot, then you don't really see the wisdom in it. So uh, answer that question. Can you articulate your, your political position theologically and can you uh, articulate your, your political position practically? And uh, do you believe that it's important to be able to communicate both? Right? Uh, okay, let, why don't we jump into our breakout sessions? And then as you, guys have, um, as you guys have questions, you're allowed to throw them into the chat or, or type them out and then press enter when you come back and all that kind of stuff. Okay, John Wood, whenever you're ready. Okay, good. We should be back. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw two questions at you that are in the chat room. First one um, is, uh, I, I'm not going to say who asked it, just because I don't know if, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. all right, first one, uh, Chris, I wanted to ask you, considering the evil inclination of people and an understanding that people will mess up, 
is the concept of checks and balances of the U.S. government system a good thing? Uh, okay, so my answer to this is I think that the system of checks and balances, uh, the system of checks and balances is a good thing regardless of uh, the evil nature of people and how we are doomed to fail. Um, the system of checks and balances was established to prevent uh, one branch of government from gaining too much power. Uh, not necessarily to make sure that one side doesn't mess up, but I mean, if you guys are aware of how our government works, there's a lot of times where branches of government mess up, but uh, it was to make sure that one branch doesn't get too strong or hold too much power, you know? And so, um, yes to the question without thinking of uh, the fact that people are sinful. And then also, yes, accountability is a good thing, you know, individually as well as corporately. Um, given a second question then, um, and I'll take a shot at it after you, but uh, why do so many Christians think Trump is God's chosen one to set up a good government? And uh, how biblical is it to support him? Because there are several pastors and Christian leaders who are pro-Trump, like John MacArthur, Franklin Graham, etc. Mm, okay, so the, this is my personal thought. And of course, these opinions um, are mine and not representative of our church. Uh, but um, the reason a lot of Christian leaders um, are citing and claiming that Trump uh, is the only person that you should vote for if you're a Christian or all that is because Christian leaders tend to be conservative. And Donald Trump is the, I mean, is the candidate of the more conservative party. Um, I don't think, I mean, I would certainly hope that people aren't necessarily saying that Donald Trump is the, um, you know, the, the picture of what a perfect Christian leader should look like, because I don't think any respectable Christian leader should think or say those things. But I want to say that it's because uh, policy-wise, uh, most Christian leaders tend to be conservative, and he is the conservative candidate. Um, on top of that, um, I also am uh, more prone to think that a lot of Christians uh, tend to be single-issue voters, and it is enough for them that the Democratic Party and Joe Biden supports even just abortion. And I think that that is um, oftentimes enough to sway a lot of people away. And so, yeah, I mean, one of the, another big thing that uh, we want to um, promote here is to be more informed and to not be a single issue voter, not saying that other issues will then sway you towards one side or the other, but we don't want to base our entire uh, political ideology based off of one fact. Of course, if you do, that is completely your freedom and your right to do so. Um, but in my opinion, again, if we're trying to expand our perspective as much as possible, we don't want to be limited by one policy. Yeah, yeah when it comes to uh, calling Trump God's chosen one, um, I think that that's, that's like language that's supposed to be derived from the Bible. You know, uh, there's, there's language that says... Uh, uh, don't uh, don't mess with God's anointed ones, um, and that's talking about prophets, right? Anyone who's anointed by God, kind of put into place by God, ordained by God, uh, don't uh, don't oppose them. And that's kind of what Stephen said in Romans thirteen about that whole government thing. Like, you know, government is ordained by God, and so it's it's uh, in that sense, it's anointed by God. So when we call it chosen one, like you don't want to think of it like the Matrix, like these Neo, you know, the, like Trump is he's the chosen one. It's not. It's not that kind of language. It's more to say, like, he's the guy. He's the front man for the Republican Party. So anyone who uh, believes that the Republican Party is, uh, is closer to the Christian model than the Democratic Party would then say, well, he's the front man for it. So he's the, he's the chosen one in that sense. He's the, he's the mascot. He's the, the top guy. So um, th I think that's why there are Christians who might call him that. They shouldn't be calling him that, thinking he's uh, some kind of a savior. He's certainly not that. Um, how biblical is it to support him? I would say it's not. It's not a biblical to support him, the man. Uh, if at all you're going to vote for Trump, it might be out of, uh, out of concern for the principles that maybe would come with the, uh, with the, you know, with the government that would be under his uh, jurisdiction, administration. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't know any Christian that's like, 
Trump is the model uh, that we should all follow. I think, uh, I think that there are Christians that think um, he might bring about the right kind of policies that stand for what we want to see, something like that, you know? Uh, and I think that uh, I, I can't speak for John MacArthur or Franklin Graham or anyone else, but from what I know of John MacArthur, uh, I know that he doesn't like to call himself a Republican. He just likes to say that he is against abortion. He's against gay marriage. He's against anything that takes man and woman and turns it into something else. And so he's against the Democratic Party. And now you've only really got one option. You have one that uh, is, uh, you know, and that's, I think that's why he goes that way. And I think that's why he might speak uh, favorably about Trump in that, uh, in that way. I don't know. I, I haven't asked him, but that's my best attempt at trying to, to put that together on, on why he would speak like that. Um, uh, there's a third question in here. As believers or just regular citizens, how should we distribute our time uh, being informed about candidates and policies at the federal, state, and local levels? Should they be equal or weighted in a certain way? What do you think, Chris? Ooh, okay. So my answer to this is a little nuanced. Um, as most of you guys in this chat room um, live in California, uh, hopefully you guys are aware of how our voting system works, what the Electoral College does. And if you're aware of how it works, you should realize that we have maybe the most inconsequential vote in regards to the presidential race. Uh, whether you vote for Biden or Trump or Kanye, uh, it won't really uh, make too much of a difference. It's just a splash in the bucket because California is historically, I believe, like the third most liberal voting state in the nation. And so our state and our 55 electoral votes are going to go to Joe Biden no matter what. I can't see a way that that doesn't happen. However, something that is a little more, um, I guess, uh, weighty in my opinion, and I am an individual that lives in the 39th district, um, congressional district of California, which means basically I live between Walnut and Buena Park, where there is a very close race between two candidates uh, who are going to be representatives at the federal level. Uh, and that is a race between uh, incumbent Gil Cisneros and Young Kim. Also where we live, or at least where I live, it's, it, depending on where you live, you're going to have to look up your own um, California state assemblyman. But um, for me, in regards to the seat in the California state assembly, I have to make a decision between Josh Newman and Ling Ling Chang. Uh, and on top of that, furthermore, I mean, I live in Diamond Bar, you know, and so, um, I mean, there is no mayoral uh, election this year for me, but these are all things that I think that we should be aware of. In regards to the question itself, as Christians, what should we care more about? I don't think that there necessarily is a uh, answer in what is more important on a spiritual level. I do think that um, the federal level, which is basically, I guess, the presidential race and the congressional seats, they are going to have a little more... Uh, power in regards to their jurisdiction. And so maybe you can say that they matter more, but in regards to our day-to-day -day lives, you know, the city mayor, uh, the city council, um, the state assembly, they're going to actually have, uh, they're going to, they're the ones that do the policies in regards to your city or your county or California. And so it might show up more in your day-to-day -day life, in your day-to-day -day life. And so again, it's kind of more of a, how you uh, value um, how the country's run versus how your cities run. What matters more to you? Uh, the approach that I took back when, uh, when I was kind of learning all this stuff, Chris would uh, point me to certain resources on the internet, just to kind of learn different positions. So I had taken the approach to try to learn what I believed was the, uh, were the principles that mattered. Uh, and then, so then that would kind of figure out what I would want to vote on in terms of this issue or that issue, you know, what, uh, what did I believe was right and wrong? And I learned the principles first, and then I could learn the persons, you know, like the, the, different, uh, the different positions at the state, federal level, county level, city level, whichever. Because then when I found out what they, uh, what they felt about those issues, I knew what, where I stood with them. Because do they stand for the right and wrong that I think is right and wrong, you know? So I started with the principles, and then I could apply that to the persons, and that was, that helped shortcut some stuff for me, you know, um, and that's, 
I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but it saved me a little bit of time, you know, when, because we're asking like how much time should we spend being informed about this stuff? Uh, I, I put my attention mostly into learning the issues and, uh, and what was important about the issues. Uh, I, I don't think that you should, um, well, I, I think when you find that out, then your opinion about federal, state, local levels um, and the candidates uh, in, those, in those positions becomes a, a lot faster, easier. And so it kind of takes care of itself all at the same time. But yeah, that, that, was, that was my best approach at it. I don't know if, uh, if that's for everyone, right? Um, I want to I, I just kind of bring this thing to a close um, and then I'll, I'll give, uh, I want to say a few final words and then, and then I'll give Chris a moment to say some final thoughts. Um, this has certainly been a platform to start with because we are going to get into specific political topics as we go. But uh, here we at least wanted to establish a basis to understand that everybody's going to try to do what's right in their own eyes and, uh, and, and everyone's going to get it, at, you know, are capable of, of thinking of something good, but no matter how good it is, it's still going to be falling. Um, and, uh, and as much as we do that, uh, we, uh, even though our final result will still be falling and it'll still fall short, that doesn't mean to abandon ship altogether. You know, like uh, the Bible has been used to do good, and it has been used to try to justify evils. Uh, all the stuff that, that Chris named, you know, uh, all, all of that's true, that people have tried to use the Bible to justify evil, um, and uh, and those are things that we don't want to uh, use as an excuse to stop trying, but uh, we want to know that there are principles that God talks about in Scripture, and it's meant to lead us in the right way, so we got to keep striving to know the Word properly, right? So I want to just... Um, Direct your attention then to uh, a couple last passages. The first one being Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Um, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. And this is when the government over them, which was the Sanhedrin, uh, was telling them to stop preaching the gospel. And at that point, they had to make a value statement. Do we obey the government? Because scripture says, submit to government, submit to the authorities over us. Um, or do we obey God? You know, when, when government and God disagree, what do we do? And so uh, it, it wasn't just stop trying altogether. It wasn't forget it, you know, uh, politics is broken, but it's uh, we strive to submit to government. And then when the government goes against God, we obey God rather than men. God is the higher authority. So uh, it means that there are uh, there are set structures of, of principles that, that God expects his people to, to obey, right? That we are to obey him. And how do we know what he wants? Well, it's in Scripture, right? In fact, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So that's what the Scriptures are for, to train you for righteousness. And, uh, and that's so that the man of God or the woman of God would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So uh, that means that even though the Bible has been used, to justify all sorts of evil historically, that doesn't mean you can't use the Bible now to try to figure out what's right and wrong. It means we got to try harder to discern right from wrong. We need to learn the Bible for what it actually means, what it actually is trying to say, and do our best to, to uh, abandon our biases uh, and our, our cultural predispositions and really just get at the heart of what God is trying to say. All right, uh, Chris, do you have any final thoughts before you lay out the topic schedule for the next five weeks? Yeah. Um, again, uh, I'm going to just uh, reiterate what Rand said as well. Um, I know that I listed a bunch of things that, uh, you know, Christian in the name of Christianity were done. And we can now, uh, with the perspective of hindsight, say that these were not good things. But Christians were also responsible for a lot of good as well. And so uh, one of my... A uh, big, uh, if you want to call it passions, is uh, to realize and to kind of um, be an advocate for uh, Christians uh, to be more involved in the political discussions of uh, today's world. Uh, I mean, our demographic here uh, is one of the more silenced demographics in the country. Uh, young Asian Christians are not really heard from uh, in general. And so, um, yeah, I mean, in the name of Christianity, I mean, the very first abolitionists, uh, the people that wanted slavery to be abolished, uh, were the Quakers who were religious. And so I want to be clear that in the name of Christ, we can do a lot of good. 
And so that is like the hope. Uh, and of course, you know, all of um, us here, uh, we want to be more, I mean, you guys are here because you're interested enough and want to uh, at least be aware and potentially hopefully be more involved. Um, but yeah, if anything, um, my last and final thoughts would be that in having uh, these discussions, uh, we are, uh, again, uh, very patient in, um, and uh, we want to fight our own hearts uh, as we desire uh, naturally to judge people for their thoughts. Uh, we w- I want to emphasize, at least for me personally, that, I mean, I definitely have a hard time uh, when someone says something that I disagree with or to be completely flat out honest that I think is just illogical. It's very difficult for me to, at times, not judge them in my heart. And so, again, we have to be very careful whenever we're discussing things that are of, of a grand scale, such as these, uh, not to judge their worldviews, not to judge them, and also not to assume that just because they think these things, they must A, B, C, D, like they must also believe this. No, we do not want to be in the practice of demonizing people just because they disagree with us on one or two issues. And we don't want to be convinced that, pe- that everyone on one side of the table is wrong or illogical or unreasonable or evil. Uh, we can't ignore people uh, who, at the end of the day, their votes count just as loudly as our votes. And so, again, when we generalize and say, oh, because they think this, then they must not be reasonable, you know, that's only going to inhibit um, peaceful discussion. And so uh, seeking to understand, uh, again, uh, being gracious in listening. Uh, and then I'll, if anything, close uh, with a quote from uh, Patrick Henry, who is uh, one of the founding fathers um, of the country. Uh, he's the guy who also said, uh, give me liberty or give me death when America was being formed. But um, one of the quotes that he is very well known for is, is uh, he says, I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. And so our country was founded on the idea that people are going to disagree and we have to respect. And we actually, if anything, want people to disagree because only with disagreement can there actually be growth. Um, so, yeah, uh, with that, I will, uh, I will introduce uh, the tentative syllabus for the next few weeks. Uh, as you guys heard, this is going to be a six-week series. We just finished week one. Uh, so again, this is tentative, so don't hold us to this, uh, but uh, next week, potentially, we'll be talking about the economy as well as the reach of different types of governments. Uh, the week after, we'll be talking about the racial issue as well as law enforcement. Uh, the week after that, we'll talk about sexual preference, gender identity, and family values. And the week after that, we'll be discussing the legality of things such as guns, drugs, and the laws that were uh, established from COVID. And then the final week, we will be discussing all the California propositions that are gonna be on the ballot uh, on November 3rd. Um, any other topics that might come into play uh, are, you know, um, include, but are not limited to uh, healthcare, foreign policy, education, environmental issues, immigration, internet data privacy, these are all things that we hope to maybe incorporate if we have the time. Um, so yeah, these are the specific uh, things that we hope to address in the next five weeks. Okay, that was a long list of things. So what we are going to do is uh, I'm going to send uh, that, that list of things, our, our tentative syllabus, including all the other topics that we won't have time to get to in this series. But we're going to put all those things into a list. Uh, I'm going to give it to John Wood to put into a Google form so that if you have questions about any of those topics, you can just write it in there anonymously. They'll all be throttled over to us. Uh, and then when the appropriate week comes up, then we can try to address it um, so that everyone gets their questions answered. We're going to do our best to, to get to everyone on that, right? Um, does anyone have any, any questions for the moment? I guess you could just unmute your mic if you have an immediate question uh, about what we talked about today. But otherwise, we are going to close in prayer. Okay. Well, then, let's, uh, let, let's close our eyes and, and uh, say a final word of prayer, and we'll be done. 
Father, we're thankful that we have the time to do this. Um, thank you that, that this is uh, present enough in our hearts that we want to learn more so that we can honor you better. Um, Lord, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And, uh, and the challenge for your people and the call for your people then is instead to do what's right in your eyes. Uh, our hearts are deceitful above all things. And so your word is truth, and we want to adhere to what you believe is right, because you establish right and wrong. You, uh, you define what's right. And so help us to be very careful and diligent and resolute in, uh, in understanding what you say in your word, and then inspecting the wisdom of it to know how to articulate uh, the beauty and the goodness of what you've said because of the fact that you've said it in your word, and because of the fact that it practically plays out in a better society for your people. We hope, Lord, that this makes us more responsible as Christians, better stewards of the privileges and, uh, uh, and, uh, and licenses and, and legal permissions that we have as citizens of the United States. And, uh, yeah, we hope it makes us more like Christ, who cared immensely about the people around him, about the state of affairs, and yet also knew that the real kingdom that was going to be established by him was the one that was, would be uh, enduring and everlasting, the one that would break all other kingdoms apart. Um, that's where we put our hope, Lord. But until then, we want to carry ourselves in such a way to, to allow your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven until the day that, that you do it uh, fully and perfectly. Thanks for all this, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.